That's funny. Um, before I hop into my message, I want to say, uh, you know, so hurricane season just started. So let's just take a minute about that because a lot of stuff, you know, from last year, and, and I think it gets people stirred up. We had that big subtropical system that sort of gave us a, like a reminder. You know, we had Lake Vineyard last weekend, if you were here, it took out a third of the parking lot. Um, I, I want you to remember these verses. So I've, I've encouraged you over the past, in the past, to memorize these, but if you haven't, now's the time. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You need to have those verses in the bank, okay? They need to be right there where you can get to them. And this year, anytime that silly cone comes up and we happen to be in it, you go right to that prayer, all right? And, and you know, you're going to find life there. God's, God's got you, and, you know, we're, He's taught us a lot of things, and we want to be more proactive than reactive, and I'm sure many of you are there because of that. But just sort of, when you see that, because there will be a temptation to be a little overdone because of everything that we've been through. I get it, but... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving with uh, prayer and pray. You know, you know what I mean. All right, there you go. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So uh, we're going to continue on in a series that we've been doing for oh, quite some time now uh, called Here's the Thing. And what we're doing is we're talking about situations in life and things that happen to keep us from experiencing the life God wants us to have. Uh, Romans fourteen seventeen has been the verse throughout where the Apostle Paul says that um, we're, we're in the, in, in, by the Holy Spirit, we're to experience you know, righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom of God. That's what's supposed to be happening. That's what the kingdom looks like. His righteousness, and, and we should have always a measure of peace and joy. Not pretend, not fake, not that we don't have to deal with things, but it should be at the foundation of who we are as followers of Christ that we have some peace and joy going on in our lives. What we have is a very real enemy who's trying to keep us from that. And so he's hard at work stealing that life away. And we're really talking about things that he uses and sort of, uh, you know, events that happen to keep us from that. And, and so we're going to dig into some more of that today in just a moment. So I have uh, two bad sort of jokes. The first one completely bombed last service, although it worked the night before. I don't know why. My wife is telling me it's so stupid. So I don't know quite how to say this, but can you pass the, the Worcestershire issue sauce? The, the work is the shots. It's still not working. It's the joke. I don't know. How, it's like people don't know how to say Worcestershire. It's okay. Thank you. That was the joke. It kind of worked last night. I don't know why. Because you laughed. So then I felt all good about it. Well, you need to laugh at every service. Grocery store workers, you may not know this, but grocery store workers must let the customer decide if they want p- paper or plastic because baggers can't be choosers. Oh, come on, comedy gold. Scripture reading here on purpose. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Remember in that verse, uh, you know, we said we have a very real enemy who's trying to steal. It's his mission. He wants to steal life from you. And Jesus is telling us, listen, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we need to keep it in a way that it's safe from being stolen by the enemy. Verse 24, he goes on and says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So what I want to take some time today and talk about is um, money, because it is used by the enemy to keep people uh, from experiencing life. Um, You know, it causes stress in, in people's lives. It causes fear. It causes anxiety. And it's the way that we handle it that's doing those things. And God speaks to it and gives us wisdom on how to handle it. But the culture overwhelms us with misinformation, um, you know, at the, at the enemies behind. And it keeps the people of God from experiencing peace and joy in this area. But it's definitely something that is talked about in the Scripture. Jesus talked about money. I just read verses where he did. But in 11 of his 39 parables are about money. Um, There's over 800 Bible verses about money. If you include things like stewardship, which is a very important part, and first fruits and all those other things, uh, almost 2,500 verses in the Bible are on the issue. Um, Many verses are extremely practical, tactical ways to... uh, handle money in, in the way that God would have us handle it. And so that's what I want to talk about with you today um, because it's such a big thing behind a thing causing a lot of issues in life. So let's take a look at some things. And first thing I want to do, first point is this, that you cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, uh, the NIV translated that word mammon, uh, money, and really a better translation is mammon, and I want to explain why. In, the, in New King James, it says it this way, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Um, So over the last couple of weeks, we've we've been looking at the the Exodus and the Ten Commandments and the Ten Words and all those other things. And, And as we looked at those, one of the things that we've seen over and over again over the last week is that we have to get God first in our lives. He has to be the priority in our lives. Anything that we get ahead of God is a little false god or an idol or something that's going to cause us a lot of issues. Well, mammon is one of those things that we get in place of God. Uh, See, mammon is is more than money. It's what we falsely believe that money represents. Security, freedom, peace, power, position, pleasure, all those things. But if you're looking to money for those things instead of God as being the one who provides all those things for you, you, you're getting it out of order and priority, and that's where the issue comes from, and that's the problem. That's why Jesus was saying, you can't serve, you can't worship God and mammon, when mammon is more of the spirit of things behind money, the false spirit of things in the process. Because if you don't translate that word there that way, if you look at it just as money, well, the tendency people have is you can't serve God or money, that somehow it makes money evil. And second point is that money is not evil. It's not evil. Uh, And then people would say, oh no, the Bible says money is evil. That's a very misquoted verse that lots of people get wrong because they they don't take in the whole verse. The whole verse is 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money is not the issue. It's the love of money, which is that idea of mammon. That's what causes so many problems 
uh, that are going on in the world today and in our lives today. Um, so money uh, is, is in itself neutral. You need to know that. It's something that it's a tool that we can use when we handle it properly uh, to live in this life. And we want to live it the way God wants us to in the best possible manner. But here's something that's very important about money. Money um, is a great revealer of your heart. And what you need to know is God already knows your heart. The way you handle your money reveals your heart to you. See, God already knows everything that's going on in here. But how you handle your money reveals your heart to you. Where is your heart really? Where is your treasure? What's really going on? So I want to talk about it for a little bit, mostly because it doesn't get talked about all that much. And because it's such a huge influence in our culture, uh, and the the culture has it messed up a little bit, I want to talk about some of the things that the Bible has to say about money. So we're already up to point number three, and this is it. Point number three um, is about acting our wage. Again, got a big laugh last night. But they're, they're, everybody's a little uncomfortable, so it's like, ah. So, <clears throat> what's our wage? So your wage, so I, I drew this up here. And this is a line with, with 100 on it. I broke it into 10s um, because 10 is a very biblical thing. We've been talking about a lot of 10s lately. Uh, 10, you know, when God's created things, 10 times He spoke into creation, reordering society. There were 10 words given. Um, you'll, you'll see tens pop up in the scripture a lot. It's just a very sort of biblical thing. But let's say that this 100% represents your wage, your, whatever that is. Your, your, so if it's weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, yearly, I don't care, however you want to do it. This is, you know, your, your deal. This is the, the money, if you would, that's coming in in the process. The problem that we have, and, and it's, it's really r- relatively new, in the way that it's been impacting us, it's sort of over the last 50 years. Uh, and really part of the problem was introduced, I think it was in the early 60s, by a little thing called the Diners Club card. Some guy had this idea that he was going to start this thing, and it was where you could go out to a restaurant, and with this, you could pay for it with this little plastic card. That was unheard of until then, and he was going to make money because he was going to get interest on it. And, and so um, credit came upon the scene. Then not only did it come upon the scene, but then it sort of took over, and our culture has blown it out of proportion. So if you remember a few weeks ago we were talking, I said, if, if trying to define our culture, the word that I would use right now is hurry. We can't wait for anything. We, um, we have no idea what it means to, for delayed gratification. We've lost the concept, and we're bombarded with advertising and stuff that's constantly telling us that what we have isn't enough, and we need to have more and more and more. And we bought into it. And what we've done because of that process is we've gone over here. And because of credit, we've gone into debt. I'm just going to keep this going because it can be different for lots of folks. And, and we're, we're living, because of it, way outside of our wage. And, and it keeps us stressed all the time because we get pushed way past the place where we ought to be in the process. And so it's, it's driven by our culture in the process. And so it's it's causing a lot of issues. Now, here's here's the sneaky part of it, is that that this is causing us to be in bondage, and the whole Exodus scene that we've been talking about, that's all the way through Scripture, is God rescuing us from bondage and slavery and getting us into the Promised Land, and the enemy constantly trying to pull us back into Egypt. It's constant. It's a constant pull in every area, and this one he's been 
fairly successful in. So we have to attack it a little bit. So little letter A is we, we have to get out of debt. That is not a culturally uh, current sort of idea. In fact, it goes against everything. But listen to the Scripture. Listen to this one. Proverbs 22, 7. The poor are ruled by the rich, and those who borrow are slaves of moneylenders. That's, that's Bible. So when, when we're living out here, we're, guess what would happen? We got pulled right back into slavery. We, not have any, we may not even know that was going on, but that's what happened. We, we left the promised land right back into slavery, and, and it's, it's just constantly hitting us that we ought to be in debt. And the problem is that you lose all your options when you're in slavery. And, and so many people then get stuck here early on now in their lives from the time that they start going to school and stuff. They buy into this stuff. And from very early on, they're in this huge trap. And what it does is it impacts you the rest of your life because when you're stuck there, you, 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 you get stuck on what kind of job you have. You might have a job and you can't change jobs if you don't like it because you can't get free out of it to deal with it. And so a lot of people are trapped in jobs they hate. And you spend too much time at work to hate what you do. It's not supposed to be that way. You're supposed to be doing things that you like to do, that bring some life back in. It's part of how we're created. But this is keeping us all jammed up there, and it's a huge problem. The average credit card debt in, uh, for people carrying credit card balances in America, and you can look it up, I just looked it up, $16,000. That's the average. So, I mean, there's above and But that means to get an average of 16, there's a whole lot of people above it. That's the average. All of that is this pretend money out here that we never really had. And, and yet we bought into it culturally. Oh, that's the way to go. One of the ways we know that, most of you are very much aware of a little thing called your FICO score. Again, only something that's been around for 40 years. And, and your FICO score is a, it's a score about your debt fascinating the way they come up with a score. You most know it. And you know, oh, a good score. We've got to have a good score. Here's the thing. The only way to get a FICO score is to go into debt and to stay in debt. You make your payments on time, but they don't like you paying your debt off. It actually messes your score up. If you get out of debt, it drops your FICO score to almost nothing, which is okay. But, so, but it's not... Here's the other fascinating thing. This score is not has anything to do with your wage. has nothing to do with your income. None. It's all about debt. It's a trick, and, and yet most of us have, have bought right in there. So, so what, you know, what do we do? And here, don't, there's not bad to have good things. I encourage you. It's nice to have nice things, but you need to be, your, your nice things need to serve you, not the other way around. If you're serving your nice, if everything you do is so you can have nice things, you, you're missing the point. Nice things are there to serve you. So you, you, have, to, you have to get this knocked out. This has to go. So uh, people get stuck. The, the exception would be in the world we live in is a house and a mortgage. Uh, that, that has, but there's ways to handle that too. But don't worry about your house. But everything else that we think we have to have immediately, what it's doing is it's messing up our lives significantly. So you, you, have, to, you have to get at Well, how do you do that? There's a really neat tool. A lot of stuff is free too, uh, which is great. It's called the Debt Snowball Calculator. There's a, several of them online. And you get a hold of that, and you just plug in all of your outstanding debt and the percentage rates. You might have to do some work. The scary thing is you may not even know. So some people won't do it because they don't really want to know. How much debt you have, how many payments, how much it is a month, and where it is. And this calculator will tell you, listen, here's what you're going to do. And it calculates it, 
and it helps you start making payments and, and you get the little ones out of the way and you start taking that money and throwing it at the bigger ones, it does wipe them out, but it'll tell you how long it's going to take. Fascinating tool and very, very helpful, but you have to commit to it by, by deciding that you're not going to keep using it, credit. You're just not. You're going to sort of go, okay, not going to do that. Second thing, and this is a fascinating thing too, because prior to this whole thing in the last 50 years, this would have been a no-brainer for everybody. You get on a budget. Some People don't like the word, so spending plan. Somebody told me that earlier. Okay, whatever you want to call it. You, you get on a spending plan. Everybody used to have a spending plan because if you wanted anything 50 years ago, you had, to, you had to save up and get it. That's what you did. And so you budgeted the rest of your income so you could do that. Once this came in, you didn't need to do that any longer. You just went, boop, I want it, I'll get it. It's just payments. And, and so we, we don't have to worry about it. So we need to make a plan for our money at the beginning of every month. Biblical, Luke 14, 28 through 29. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him. So, scriptural. I read something from John Maxwell that, and like, if you hear it and take it in, it'll make you get on a budget. He says this, a budget tells your money where to go instead of you wondering where it went. Isn't that great? But it's so true. Have you ever sit there and go, where'd the money go? You don't have a clue. So, so this is really important for us to get a hold of and to start to live on, make a plan, and then stick to it. Um, C, let me change colors. Here's a big one. You need to save. Again, huge percentage of America doesn't save. I read just recently, it came out. I saw it on report. 40% of Americans, 40% of Americans cannot cover a $400 emergency with cash. They don't have it. 400 bucks. So, and I'm not picking, what, they'll cover it out here and stay hung in the process, but, but don't have some money so that they, they get stuck in this cycle and they just don't, they don't seem to be able to get out of it. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 21:20, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. So we need to save. You need to save for three things. Emergencies, you should have a little emergency stash. If you don't, you start saving for one. Um, you need to save to buy things with cash. Because I'm not saying you're not going to buy things. I'm just saying you, you need to pay for them with real money, not pretend money, which is when you swipe it. And here's what's fascinating. When you make this shift, when you have to save for something to buy it, a lot of times you won't buy it when you got the money for it. Because you, you don't want to, it's very hard to part with real money. Well, I was really hard to save that money. I probably don't need that. And it's very true. And then all of a sudden, you're saving yourself the issue. And the problem with debt is you buy things. By the time you even get close to paying them off, you don't even remember where it was or that you had it or that you cared about it. You didn't, it didn't work anyway. You don't have it anymore. So, so real money is huge in the process. And then ultimately, we're saving to save for our future and to move ahead and to get in the process. And so you, you really want to save that much. That's a 10, at least. That, that you need to be heading to that. Now, again, you're doing this right now. You're like, well, that is not even happening. But that's why we got to get rid of that to get back into the right sort of process. Last, I'm not saying it's the least important. I just put it last so that everybody would stay with me. We need to give. 
it's part of who you are as a child of God because God's a giver and he's hardwired it into you. And, and I, I promise you, giving is the most fun that you can have with your money. And, and you, you may not believe that, but a lot of that is because you're stuck over here. And, and the first thing you think is, I can't afford to give. And I understand because, because of this mess. But the, there's something about giving that, that s- starts to help in the process. And it frees you up because it's really sort of where God wants us. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each person should give what they've decided to give in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, so God wants us to be able to give cheerfully. So part of it is getting freed from that, and then it's realizing that that's the heart of God. So how much do we give? Well, there's another one of those. And it's actually the first one, and there's a lot of Scripture about that. But that's where freedom starts happening. However, you, you've got to take this whole thing in now because to, to make these jumps all at once, most people can't even do it because they're, they're still stuck out here. So you've got to start praying about how to do it. This one, for me, um, was, was never an issue. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to go two minutes long. Let me talk about this one. So I, I don't, most of you don't all know our story, but uh, I got saved when I was 25. And um, I used to be in, uh, in the nightclub business. It's a nice way for saying bar business. Uh, and that's what I did. And as part of that business, that culture, I, I, was out, I spent most of my time out in the darkness at night. Um, there was a lot of partying. A lot of drugs were involved in that whole process. The best thing that I had going for me then was I was married to my lovely uh, bride there, Alice. But she was with me in this darkness, and she was, a, she was fully participating. <laughs> so... That was better than the Worcestershire thing, and I didn't even mean it. <laughs> anyway, so, so uh, she actually moved towards the light before I did, um, briefly, and she got invited to this meeting. It was a little Bible study. And she said, I want to go to this Bible study. Will you, will you take me? And I said, no way am I going to a Bible study. And, uh, and it was on like a Tuesday night. I said, fortunately for me, my out was, I work Tuesday nights. I work nights. I said, I, you know, I'm not really comfortable with you going without me, so with a bunch of people I don't know. So uh, amazingly, that week, the Bible study got moved from Tuesday night to Thursday night, which happened to be my night off. What an amazing coincidence that was. <laughs> so I, okay, fine. So we went to this Bible study. I, and I remember clearly this Bible So I was 25, and I was, like I said, a big, my life was a mess. Um, and uh, I don't, the guy was talking about hearing comes by faith and faith by the Word of God and all these things. I remember the verse, Hebrews 11, 6 or somewhere, Hebrews 11 something he was into. And, and um, I, I remember thinking about that, but it wasn't even what he said. All of a sudden things started happening and God started showing me where he'd really been uh, there my whole life. Didn't go to church, didn't know anything, but it became very apparent that he was there. And so um, that night, later on that night, I went home and didn't talk to Alice about it, but I, I got down on the side of my bed that night, and I said, these are my exact words, Jesus, if you're real, I'm yours. Here I am. I went to bed. That was my salvation prayer. And he took it serious. And, and unbeknownst to me, Alice had done something very, very similar. The exact same night in, in that same room, she had made that same decision. We came to that decision at the same time, independently, but at the same time, we'd both made that decision. Um, I got to tell you, I woke up much differently. It was weird. But, but the compulsion to, to do drugs and things that I shouldn't was gone. That's my situation. Not everybody's like that. That was my gone. And it, it impacted my personality, all sorts of things. Certainly, a long lot of work is still continuing on, but I was changed. I was different. That was a Thursday night. Uh, 
So I went to work Friday night. I went to work Saturday night, worked late, and I came home Sunday morning. I probably got home at 4 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And uh, 4 or 5, maybe even a little later, went to bed. And before I know it, uh, Alice is getting up. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm going to church. We'd never done that before. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's something we're supposed to do now. And, uh, but I'm tired. Go ahead. Have a good time. And so she got up and got ready, and off she went, and I was just sleeping, and all of a sudden the phone rings. 1985, when the phone rings, it w- wasn't convenient for me. It was across the room. didn't have the cell phone, 85, and uh, if I did, it was like 14 pounds and was down in the car. <laughs> I had to get up to get the phone, and I got over and picked up the phone, and nobody was there. Thinking, oh, you know that feeling? You probably don't anymore. You get, ah. So I put the phone, well, now I'm awake. I said, well, what? I said, oh, okay, I'm, I guess I'll go to church. Well, we hadn't talked about where she was going to church or anything. I think, oh, well. So I got up and I put on my church clothes then, which are still these. Uh, <laughs> I put on a pair of shorts, threw on a shirt. I didn't know how to dress for church. Apparently, I still don't. Parakinos. I don't even think I brushed my hair. Uh, that looks all right. Let's go. And I started driving down the road, lived way out on Big Pine. Went, I went by about three churches, and each one of them just, yeah, that didn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. Now that doesn't feel right. And I turned on the highway, and there was a little storefront on the highway, which was actually this church. And I pulled in there. My wife was there. So that was handy, because I had no idea where she was going. So that was a God thing. I remember going to church, and we were saved already. And it was, oh, this is church. That's cool. And they took up an offering. I remember the offering. And I remember reaching, and I tossed 20 bucks in the offering, and all was well. And then we went back to church. I'm almost to the point of my story. I went back to church the next weekend. And so now I'd had this 10-day experience with the Lord. And, and you know, God, the moment you get saved, God starts communicating with you. And he, so, you know, I'm, and they, we go to church again, and they do the offering thing, and I put uh, my $20 in again. And, and uh, I felt that it wasn't right. Something was missing. It, wasn't a, it was like, well, that's, not, that's not right. And I asked somebody, it wasn't even anybody in charge, what, what are you supposed to give? And this person with no guile or anything, well, the Bible says 10%. And, and I thought about that. And, and you know, here's my thought. See, I, I had been rescued. We had been rescued out of such mess. And we were living in such light. Not that it was perfect, but there was, it was, this was so dark. This was so light. My actual thought was 10%. That's a great deal. Really? That's it? That's what I said. They could have hit me with a lot bigger number at that point in time. 10%. I'm in. I remember reaching in in my pocket. It was a cash business night, and it, that felt right. And, and I've been doing that ever since. So I was 25. I'm 58 now. Here's the thing, though. It, it took me another 25 years to figure this part out. Still trapped in the whole culture. Can't wait. Need to have it. Everybody does it. This is how you do it, and that's the issue. And that, that's not a sin or salvation issue. It's just not the smartest thing that you can do. So I say all that to say this. You, you need to get back into here probably the sweet spot, and you know, the debates on this, you, is you're living in here somewhere? And I know you're like, how is that possible? You live in the most expensive place or whatever. You, you, that's where you need to get so that you can do this and this, and then you have some of this that can either go into here or into here. Uh, and uh, that's where you start to experience life. And, it, and when we're doing those things, we're, we're reflecting the character of God. God's transforming us into being generous people. Deep down, it's in you, and, but you want to be generous, but you can't a lot of times because of this mess. And, and so you, you sort of have to get that. And this, this is very practical. It's not necessarily easy, but it honors God, and it's His way of doing things. And it's not some sort of prosperity scheme. It's just how we're supposed to handle God's money all in all, and we get some freedom from it. So that's all I'm going to say on that for today. That's enough to take in. Ministry team, those are here when you head over to the wall. 
people on the way over that wall here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group. We'll have breakfast and dismiss. Father, we are so thankful for who you are in our lives and that you want us to have full and abundant life and that you make us aware of situations so that we can have life in you. And, and I pray, Papa, that as, as you continue this work in us by your Spirit, that not only would we be changed, but that it would impact the world around us for you, that you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached, and ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are an awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Let's take care of that too. It's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us you've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which He'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. Best decision you will ever make in your life. If you need help, just go and ask somebody. I want to know Jesus. They'll know exactly what you mean and they'll help you with that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God. You are awesome. Praise God from whom all bless. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer's over there. Breakfast is in the back. As you go, as you go, have a great day. Great grand day. Enjoy one another and some great fellowship and stay out of the lakes. But catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Bye.